Dang, Elvis Presley, you didn't have to rile him up like that. <laughs> what now? No, excuse me, what? I'm just saying, we gotta follow that. And... Well, sometimes you have to go all out when you're the king and you can't help it, you know? Because there's only one man who's a king. God picks him, hand plucks him. One night, God looked down all the millions and millions and millions of people, man, and he decided which one was the best. And it was me. And he plucked me from all those millions and millions and millions of people, man. Yeah? Listen to this right now. There's two things you need to know. Uh -huh. I'm the king. And number two is, look out, man. Look at that. They're coming at you. You see that? It's called karate, man. And only two kinds of people know it. The Chinese and the king. And one of them is me. You're the king. Oh, see, all the Memphis. They want a nice little bit of honey and a little bit of June bug. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. See, you're on now. Come around. See, well, look out, man. Okay, there's some long game, sir, man. Well, thanks, Elvis. <laughs> well, I'm on it, man. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. Come on, what the fuck was he talking about? You know who you are? You're in the Guns Radio Podcast, baby! You're gonna die! It's the Guns Radio Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard our first show of December episode. What are we on? 12 now? This would be 12, yeah. Nice. Nice. 12 weeks, man. It really doesn't feel like we've been doing this for no 12 weeks. Oh, it's been longer, I feel. Yeah, it really, it really does. And uh, we have an excellent show for you tonight. As always, I'm Dustin Bones, joined by my partner in perfect crime. Chris Caputo. Uh, I didn't give you a nickname this week. Let's see what I got sitting around. Oh, I was waiting for one, man. Come on. Chris Lemon Lime <laughs> Flavored Soda Caputo. <laughs> I did not just grab a two liter of Sprite and read that because uh, it was the closest thing to me. I was going to say, you better be Sprite, not 7-Up. <laughs> you know what? It actually was 7-Up. Wow. <laughs> And our guest for the day, Chris Lanthrop. The one and only, right here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man. I, thank you for being here, man. Uh, we're big fans of your show. Uh, as you can t probably tell, we, uh, we've got a podcast that we... Uh, we uh, is highly inspired by your show. Um, I appreciate that. What got you guys into... Uh, the notion of creating a podcast who who came up with the initial idea for uh, reviewing a song by song breakdown type show uh i think it was um andy's idea he's one of my co-hosts along with his brother nick for those who aren't familiar with the show and uh he proposed the idea to um <clears throat> us and we thought it was a good idea um you know we we figured, why not? We didn't think the show would last uh, 10 episodes, so we were like, sure, we'll do every song they ever recorded. Why not? You know, thinking that we'd never make it through the whole catalog, and somehow we ended up doing exactly that. And, um, you know, initially we were going to do all the songs in order, starting with Strutter and just going through them and in the order they were on each original album and then moving on to the next one. Uh, and then we thought, 
when we were uh, in the middle of the 80s albums, we might completely lose people altogether with that stretch of stuff. So uh, we came up with the random idea and uh, worked out pretty good. You know, people were anticipating what song was going to come up from week to week and, uh, you know, ended up being a pretty good formula. Did you have a plan for what was going to happen after you ran out of songs already, or did you kind of have to come up with that on the fly? Um, yeah, we kicked around a few things like, uh, uh, since we just, uh, decided to stick to all the studio cuts, we kicked around the idea of taking all the tracks from the live albums and mixing them up and doing those randomly and then doing um solo material uh you know same deal just throwing all the stuff from all the four original guys maybe the maybe Kulik, who knows um throwing that into the mix and mixing it up but uh in the end, you know, after, uh, what, uh, five, five and a half years of, uh, doing KISS stuff, we kind of, uh, were interested in doing something different, so, uh, and plus we wanted to cast a little bit of a wider net with the podcast, hopefully draw in some more people, just general rock fans, so we just decided to, uh, open it up to the listeners to throw in uh, their suggestions for songs and uh, just uh, open it up that way. Did you ever get like burned out on Kiss while you were doing this concert or doing this podcast? Uh, not really, because um, given the randomness and the fact that um, there were times over the years when I had checked out on Kiss, um, you know, it was it was never more than a few weeks uh, between uh, instances where a song would come up that I'd never heard before. So, um, you know, it was always kind of interesting what was coming next because I, I, um, the selection was completely random. So uh, none of us knew what was coming next from one week to the uh, next, just like other listeners. So, um, couldn't really uh, plan ahead for it and uh, just kind of was surprised by what would come up every week. And then then on the other side of that, um, obviously there are songs, several songs throughout the catalog that I was just loved and a huge fan of. So when those would come up, that was always a good time. So, uh, But uh, in general, people seem to uh, have the belief that the uh, worst songs made for the best episode so so it was always uh, it was always something fun to look forward to how the heck did you guys get Chris Jericho on your podcast because a big wrestling fan I'm like that dude's like constantly busy I'm like how the heck did you guys get him on multiple episodes on your podcast I'd love to know well the funny thing is that um you know, Nick and Andy are legit wrestling fans. I um, wasn't never uh, really too big into pro wrestling. So, uh, you know, he I knew of who he was, but, um, you know, it wasn't super on my radar, so to speak. So um, 
what uh, what happened was he uh, he he started his podcast Talk Is Jericho right around the same time we started ours, mm. and he uh, his tagline for it was. Uh, his secondary name for his podcast, he called it the Pot of Thunder. Mm-hmm. And Andy brought that up on an episode, and I started talking shit about Jericho stealing our <laughs> name. And uh, saying things like, if I ever encountered him, I would, you know, smash his face into a turnbuckle, smash <laughs> a chair over his back, you know, all this stupid bullshit that uh you know never thinking that uh any of it would you know get back to him or or whatever but um so in doing that um you know some of our listeners started tagging him on twitter saying you know stop stealing pot of thunder's name this and that and then one day on Twitter, uh, get the alert that I have a uh, direct message, and it's from Jericho, and he's asking me, um, "Are you guys near Indianapolis?" Because you know we say on the show that we're based in Northwest Indiana, Hammond, Munster, to be specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I see this DM, and I'm like. I think this guy is trying to track us down so he can kill me for all the uh, crap I've been saying about him, you know. <laughs> and so I, I and you know, I, I run the Twitter account, so um, you know, I got wind of this stuff first. You know, Andy's like the huge wrestling fan, so um, I eventually, you know, got him involved, but when this first happened, I just responded to him and said, no, we're actually closer to Chicago. (laughs) And he replies back. He's like, well, the, uh, uh, Monday night raw is coming through there uh, pretty soon. Do you guys want tickets to the show and meet up after the show? And I'm like, uh, still thinking he's trying to lure (laughs) me into, uh, some sort of, situation where he's going to just kill me for all the <laughs> nonsense I've been talking about him. Um, but, um, you know, one thing led to another, and it was he he left us tickets to Will Call, and we went to see a Monday Night Raw show and met up with him after the show right there in the arena. Like, after it started to empty out, he came out from backstage. We hung out with him for a bit and from then we've all been like texting buddies and whenever he's in town either with wrestling or with Fozzie we try to arrange it so we can meet up to do a show and and that's the story that's pretty awesome man that is freaking awesome holy shit so that's uh, proof that uh, you can talk shit about somebody and get positive results from it so um <laughs> <laughs> Taking That's the one. high road isn't always the way to go. I guess I would say. Yeah. Life lesson, kids. Remember that. Damn right. Exactly. How big are you into uh, the band that we're going to be looking into today? Pretty big fan. Uh, you know, huge fan of Slash. One of my all-time favorites. Uh, there were uh, I played in uh, bands back in the early '90s, and there were occasions when. 
uh, as the lead guitarist, people would compare some of my stuff to him, which was a, a massive compliment. So, uh, so yeah, uh, big fan. Um, uh, funny story the the when we first uh, I first became aware of Guns N' Roses back in college in the late eighties. Um, you know. I think before they even got popular on MTV and all over the world, we were uh, partying at my uh, buddy's apartment at Western Michigan University. I I went to Michigan State, and like probably half of my high school crew went there, and the other half went to Western. So we would go back and forth to each other's campuses to party throughout the school year. And we were uh, at Western one weekend, and one of my uh, friend's roommates, uh, his little brother, this little high school kid, I think he was like a freshman, was there getting, uh, you know, enjoying the debauchery. Uh, totally inappropriate for a kid his <laughs> age. But, but he had a cassette of Appetite for Destruction before any of us had ever even seen a video or heard of Guns N' Roses and, and he's the one who turned us uh, turned us on to the band uh, we played the tape and you know instantly knew that it was something different than what was uh, coming out of the Sunset Strip scene at the time and um, you know just basically got uh drawn into the videos and the whole vibe of the band and uh you know just kept uh following them and keeping tabs on them ever since have you seen any of the uh any of any live shows or anything uh we did my wife and i did see them on the uh uh first portion of the um most recent tour i'm blanking on the name of it if you could remind me of it not in this lifetime is that yeah that's the one yeah we saw him at uh soldier field and it was great you know oh, a two and a half hour concert uh band was great you know i know there's a lot of purists who you know have the no Izzy, no Guns N' Roses attitude. Well, you know, that you've, you've been disappointed for 25 years now because he hasn't been around in that long. And, um, you know, the tickets weren't cheap, but I felt we got our money's worth. I mean, they, they really delivered, and Alice in Chains was the opener, so that was cool. And nice, uh, nice. nice summer night, outdoor stadium show was great. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Kiss, do you, are you you know you talked about purists and stuff just now, and I know that during the uh, end of the road tour, Eddie Trunk was, has really been shitting on uh, this current tour. Uh, yeah, and I think it's probably because the original members aren't together. Do you are you one of the people that falls into that camp that that wants the final tour to be all of the original members? Or do you like what they've got going on now better? Or do you just even care as a fan? Uh, I would, of the three um, options you just gave, I would opt for the second one. I mean, uh, Tommy and Eric are, at this stage, are better players than Peter and Ace. And they're they're also, um, frankly, will, will wear the costumes and the makeup better than peter or ace at this point so i mean if you're looking for a uh 
uh, visual and sonic quality. I mean, I think they've got the right formula going. Um, right. You know, I think the the original guys who aren't in the band anymore burned those bridges a long time ago, multiple times in some oh, cases. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, uh, and as far as the, the makeup and the characters, I mean, you know, Ace and Peter sold their rights to that stuff a long time ago. Uh, you know, that's more water under the bridge. Um, people want to see the band in full makeup and, Paul and Gene own the rights to those characters, and they're gonna do what they gotta do. So, no, I personally don't get hung up on that, and uh, I think uh, you know I've seen a show on that tour as well, and it was excellent, and also felt that I got my money's worth, and then some. That was gonna be my next question. I really enjoyed that show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is when you're in the arena. Um, you're not concerned about Paul's vocals or whether they're piping in some uh, enhancements. You're just soaking up the vibe, and um, it's all it's all good. You know, it's it's when you know you get home and you start uh, using shitty fan shot YouTube cell phone videos to assess the quality of the band and all these ridiculous conspiracy theories coming out that, you know, that, that this scrutiny starts coming up to light. But when you're there in the arena, none of that shit matters. It's a rock show. It's a spectacle and you're getting your money's worth. That's what I've always said about, uh, Axel with his, uh, how his voice doesn't sound like it used to. He's got that kind of that Mickey mouse thing going on sometimes. My defense on that is, is when you're there, you don't really hear it as much live as you do when you're watching back the the cell phone video. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to lip syncing and things like that, I have a very unpopular opinion on it. And uh, that is, as long as it gives me a better show when I'm there in attendance, I don't care. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, you know, people... They they they're under the impression that like there's like zero sound actually coming out of Paul's mouth into the microphone. That's just simply not true. I mean, if they're bolstering the uh, vocals with a little extra sauce through the soundboard, sure, that's probably going on. I'm sure that's going on in a lot of shows that you'd be surprised to find out that that's happening. Um, but to, to imply that he's not singing whatsoever is absolute bullshit. So, oh, yeah. uh, but that's how it get, gets misinterpreted. And, uh, you know, the internet is just a, a, a toilet of ridiculous <laughs> opinions and angry people lashing oh, out at successful people. So that's just how it goes. I don't disagree. But even like, even like Meatloaf doesn't sing the high notes anymore. (laughs) And at some point, you got to give these people a break. I mean, he's well, it's yeah, it's it's like either either they either they quit or they carry on and um, perform in a somewhat compromised state, so you can uh, 
enjoy seeing them again. So, I mean, you know, and, and, and it's a little ridiculous how, like, the hero worship um, involves thinking that these guys can perform like they did in their 20s when they're pushing 70. It's just physically impossible. Uh, it's I don't care how well you take care of your voice or um, this and that. You're just... You can only do so much as the older you get. So, you know, people have to have realistic expectations, I think. Well, let me ask you this. Here in just a minute, we're going to start listening to Heartbreak Hotel, which, of course, was made famous by Axl Rose. But uh, a lot of people don't know that it was actually uh, covered at one point by Elvis Presley. (laughs) (laughs) What? Come on, man! I was trying not to, trying not to lose it there. <laughs> See, all these years I was unclear on that timeline, but now it makes sense. It's, uh... <laughs> well, we established, and I don't know if we've talked about it on the show before, but years ago in the GNR forums, we established that Axl Rose is a time traveler. So, it all <laughs> makes sense when you think about it that way. Uh, what do you think about Elvis? Like, are you a big Elvis fan, or uh, take it or leave it, or how do you feel about the king of rock and roll himself? Um, I would say my favorite Elvis is the comeback special Elvis, where he was like had the longer hair and was clad head to toe in black leather, and uh, yeah, that kind of um, uh, vibe of his. Um, you know, fat Elvis in the jumpsuit, probably not as much of a favorite of that. And then kind of fifties Elvis is just sort of fifties music. You know, I, I can respect it, but I was, it was before my time. So it just seems like kind of oldies stuff to me, but I mean, clearly the, the influence and the, the, the shadow he's cast over everything that, come since is undeniable i mean king of rock and roll is uh is an appropriate moniker for him i think and just you know the 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 quintessential the prototypical rock front man really when you think about it i mean nobody was you know all the posing and the whipping women into frenzies and whatnot is you know the stuff that you want from a rock front man he 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 created all of that so Ah, elvis presley definitely has influenced a lot of people not just in rock but in like every other genre of music and it's just crazy how we're still talking about him like this day and age and when did he die like 40 plus years ago he died in 1980 didn't he like uh, I think it was seventy seven. I believe is is it was definitely in the seventies. Um, yeah. So I'm an Elvis. I, I like Elvis. I wouldn't call myself the biggest Elvis fan in the world, but I'm from Tupelo, Mississippi, and so we basically uh, we have Elvis as part of our education in school. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we have going for. We take Elvis away. <laughs> Tupelo's got nothing. Uh, such a good food, but uh, uh, Caputo, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to plug our social media. And, yeah, uh, I'm not even going to go into uh, the whole the whole skit we normally do, 
where I pretend like I don't know what social media is. I'm just gonna let uh, I'm gonna let you go, Chris, and let you plug away. All right. So our uh, Twitter and Instagram it's both at Guns and Radio Pod. That's Guns, the letter N, Radio Pod. I'm posting all sorts of stuff. Uh, mostly Twitter, you're gonna see daily. Instagram, you'll see the usual Monday when an episode drops. Uh, Fridays, uh, Wednesday. We're trying to post a lot here and there. We're actually almost. Well, as of this recording, we're almost at our 100 follower count. So we're very close to doing a bonus show for you guys. So once we hit that 100 followers on our Instagram, we're closer on our Instagram. So I'm going to say on our Instagram, uh, we're going to be putting out a poll there. I'm going to put a poll on our Twitter and on our Discord server as well, just to see what kind of show, bonus show that you guys want to see or listen to. Yep. Sorry. That bonus shows are coming. It's coming around. Very soon. Chris, uh, do you uh, do you want to plug your information here? Uh, sure. We're at uh, podofthunder dot com. That's p o d o f thunder dot com. Uh, also at pot of thunder on Twitter. Also on Instagram and Facebook. And um, you said this is the first episode of December. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. And the, so the first Monday of december i believe is december 2nd correct yes uh, yes well this is my birthday today uh of oh. december 2nd, so oh. kind of cool yeah well happy birthday yeah yes. turning the big 53 so uh well, we're very there. pleased let's give him the applause button we are very applause. <laughs> there we go it worked finally I had to click on it three times, but it went. We definitely appreciate you spending it with us totally legitimately and in no way pre-recorded. Yes. Yeah, I know. yeah, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> um, so, being a, I am a Guns N' Roses fan, but I'm not, uh, like, uh, super, um, uh, like, fully in tune with which songs are in which albums and i gotta tell you i've never heard this cover and i'm not uh i have no idea what album it originally appeared on so what what's the what's the story with this one well this is a demo uh since guns and roses guns and roses doesn't have that many albums so a lot of our list is full of demos and unreleased material and even songs that they played live that were covers and things um this demo in particular comes from the appetite for destruction era so it was about the time that they were uh recording appetite during those sessions it is actually available public now for the first time thanks to the appetite for destruction uh deluxe box set that came out oh cool uh, it's uh one of the uh bonus cds is what we'll be listening to from oh cool well this will be a new uh new discovery for me so i'm stoked about it oh that's awesome man i'm glad uh, awesome we can we can give you something you haven't heard yet which is very very rare with this band (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh chris random bit of the day caputo let's do it let's see what it gives us The Twitter hashtag of the day. Are you ready, Chris? We're ready. The 
The Twitter hashtag of the day is hashtag ticklefuck. <laughs> what? So go go over the Twitter. Let us know you're listening by using hashtag ticklefuck and uh, <laughs> tag us in your post also. And uh, oh my god, <laughs> where do you find these? You want me to tell you the truth? Sorry, you writing... just search random shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was writing the bit, I was like, what sounds funny? And so I started putting two words together, and I came up with Ticklefuck, and then I searched hashtag Ticklefuck on Twitter. And there wasn't <laughs> a lot of posts, but there were still some posts with hashtag Ticklefuck. Honestly, anything can trend on Twitter these days. It could put the most, like, elongated hashtag ever, and it will, like, trend. <laughs> it's crazy. But, uh, there it is. Are you guys yes. ready? I'm ready. Yep, I'm ready. There's the iconic intro. What was the one that uh, Motley Crue covered? Was it Jailhouse Rock? I think. Elvis tune? Yeah. I think Motley yeah, Crue covered one also. I think it was Jailhouse Rock. Yeah, I'm oh, sure look they probably it. did. I can't think of it. Anything's better than their... I'm sorry? Horrible. Anything's better than their horrible Anarchy in the UK cover. What a, <laughs> what a dumb cover that was. <laughs> just it, nothing to do with the band i mean they were they weren't punk rock they weren't from the uk it's just the whole premise of them doing that song was just pointless it was a cash grab yeah. i don't know what it was oh, but probably uh, that's how i, I feel about know. sympathy that's... for the devil oh and Juno yeah remember that? I think so. yeah <laughs> the sound of a band breaking up yeah, that's isn't that isn't that what Slash says is like one of the last uh, things they did before he quit, and it was one of the things that pushed him over the edge. Is just just a mess. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a- There's a lot of difference though. Like when they cover um, "Live and Let Die," when they cover um, "Knocking on Heaven's Door," they, they 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 make those songs their own, right? But with that one, it's just they they don't add nothing to it that it that the Rolling Stones didn't already do and do better. I think that was like Chris said, it is it is uh, what led to them breaking up. But I think a lot of the reason we got only covers there for the last album and the last single was uh, just because you couldn't get these guys in a room together. Yeah, that sounds about right. And Izzy was gone. Yeah.
guys. <laughs> I, I yeah. know that I said uh, we were going to listen a little bit and uh, talk about the story here, and I think I've already figured it out. I think it's a whorehouse. I think it's about the, the, the bunny ranch in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's much nuance to the story. I think it's uh, pretty self-explanatory, and uh, it's been that way since... Uh, since Axel first recorded it in the fifties and Elvis covered it some decades later. So, uh, uh, pretty cool though. The, uh, you know, that they, they stayed true to the, um, sort of the vibe of the original intro. And then, you know, Adler comes in on the cowbell and they just, uh, go to the four on the floor, you know, up tempo, punk yeah, rock version of it. Uh, it actually does have a story to it in real life somewhat it's about a man uh that uh commits suicide by uh jumping out of a window at a in a hotel so it is i did not know that there is somewhat of a story to it i'm kind of preferring the horror house interpretation <laughs> at this point it's a much more happier vibe it really is themselves. <laughs> oh really sad face <laughs> I gotta say that is a very kick-ass solo, and it sucks. It uh, it just kind of got stuck to a demo, and never really heard yeah. anybody. Yeah, it's got like uh, elements of the Paradise City um, solo, the the extended one toward the end, and then uh, and then he uh, you know uh, invokes the uh, melody from the intro in it towards the end. So. Um, you know, one of one of the great all time uh lead players. I mean, just uh has that kind of falling down the stairs element to his playing where like he he's he's in control but kinda on the verge of losing it at any time and um just that reckless abandon in his playing and just uh you know, very signature style, huge fan. Okay, so the bellhops' tears keep flowing, and the clerk's desk dressed in black. Because you know, sometimes when you go like to the bunny ranch, there'll be that woman that you meet at the clerk and or at the at the desk there that checks you in, and she's got that black corset on and everything, and then she lines up the girls there. 
that's who it is. And uh, it's like they all been on so long. They've been so long on Lonely Street that they're never coming back. Well, yeah, that's why they're here. And then once you come up in there and you know you you drop that fifty bucks or uh, whatever it costs, I'm sure more than fifty bucks. Uh, yeah, you're gonna be like, man, this is awesome. Why would you quit a job like that? Really? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, tears could be a euphemism for semen. I mean, there's all sorts of. <laughs> All sorts of things that you could, you know, tie into the the preferable story here tonight. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not having the suicide element of it. Uh, it's not I'm not I'm not buying into it. Let's rewind and just forget about that all that, and uh, let's go to the previous verse where it's although it's <laughs> although it's crowded, you can still find some room because you know it's like an orgy, you know, and just 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 grab something and jump on. Those broken hearted. <laughs> I guess that's how an orgy works. I've never been to one. Uh, <laughs> those broken hearted lovers cry away in their gloom. Uh, you know what? Now that uh, now that we've just dis- we've determined that uh, tears are a euphemism for semen, then it really, really does hold the uh, the whorehouse thing uh, into to 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 a tighter degree. Yeah, I mean, why why would broken hearted lovers? give a shit if somebody jumped out the window uh, who cares i mean what how does that affect them in any way it's just that 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 story doesn't hold water for me it's bullshit I'm not buying it oh i almost went to the heartbreak hotel in vegas once i only wanted a t-shirt is there that that's an actual place i no, i'm talking know. about the bunny ranch the oh okay all right uh-huh. <laughs> when I- when me and a friend of mine went to Vegas to see Guns N' Roses, uh, there was two places I wanted to go in Vegas that we didn't get to go to either of them. Uh, but um, I wanted to go to the Bunny Ranch. and uh, But it's like way out there because you have to leave the city and everything. So it's a pretty good drive right. away. And uh, the cab ride alone would have been ridiculous. So And all of that just to get a t-shirt. Uh, yeah, it did not seem worth it to me. No. No, and, I think made the right call. <laughs> and uh, now, granted, I might have glanced at the menu while I was there to see what I could afford, uh, <laughs> which was nothing. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I have a feeling that had I done that, it would be a T-shirt. Now, you guys are in you're in Michigan somewhere, right? I'm in uh, Missouri. Uh, oh, Chris okay. is in Ontario. Well, I bring up woman. Michigan because kind of my extremely lower level equivalent of the story you just told about wanting to go to the bunny ranch is um you know on interstate 94 that goes from detroit to chicago uh i live in chicago now but i was before born in detroit and lived in the detroit area so i was like 24 so I've gone back and forth uh, between Detroit and Chicago many times on I-94. And, um, you know, along the way, there are at least, uh, at least 10, I would say, off the top of my head, of, uh, you know, roadside Asian spas that are um, <laughs> prominently, prominently advertised with billboards and whatnot. Um and you know, let's 
put it this way if uh if you can afford to advertise on a billboard on a major u.s interstate you're not just giving back rubs at your at your <laughs> something else is going on there and it was just always intriguing and just completely or conveniently located off any number of exits between detroit and chicago <laughs> and I just haven't I haven't been able to bring myself to actually visit one just because I'm I I, th- I think the the notion of it would be is way more exotic than what you would actually experience <laughs> what you're there. so but um, so that's my extremely lower level version of your your bunny ranch curiosity. I actually have a story about one of those places, too. (laughs) (laughs) And it happened in Mississippi. And anything that, you know, like, when you say, like, a Mississippi handjob parlor, it sounds exactly what you have in mind right now is exactly what it was. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we had, uh, me and a buddy of mine, had gone to uh, the casino to see Slash. It always comes back around to me chasing GNR somewhere. Um, (laughs) But uh, we were on. We had gone to Biloxi to the Hard Rock Casino to see Slash, and uh, the ticket, uh, the, the, the ticket advertisement, um, was incorrect, and we missed half the show. And I was pissed because we had just driven eight hours to watch uh, forty-five minutes of a Slash show. So uh, I told Reese, I was like, "Bro, this is not how this trip ends." Fuck that. So I go to the ATM, I pull a hundred bucks, and uh, I go gamble at the casino out of nothing but anger. And I sit down at the blackjack table, uh, and Reese sits down with me, and I have no idea to this day how much money I won that night, but it was bulging out of my pockets because I wasn't letting the dealer see how much money I had. And I told myself when I run out of money in my left hand, whether I'm up or down, I'll stop gambling. But I wasn't going to bet my winnings because I was like, "Fuck that! I'm, I've already I, I, I'd done too well." So my buddy had lost all of his money at the casino, and he was down, and I didn't know this. So I was like, "What's wrong, bro?" He goes, "I lost all of my money." I was like, "All of your money? Like how much is that?" And he said, "I lost about four hundred dollars." I went, "Oh shit, bro! Is that all?" <laughs> I reached in my pocket and pulled out this huge handful of chips and i picked four out that didn't even put a dent in of all hundreds and i handed it to him and i said bro we're having a goddamn good weekend now so we go we cash in and uh, we had hired a cab driver to take us wherever we wanted to go so that we didn't have to fuck with waiting on a cab because uh at the time i was making okay money at my job and i saw this as uh, a free epic vacation that i could take with my best friend here and so uh i made the joke to uh to the cab driver uh because we talked about getting massages <laughs> as something oh, we were gonna do but like legit go get a massage like a legit go get a massage not go to a hand job parlor and so i made the joke to the cab driver i said unless you know where we can go to one of those asian places where we can get one of those happy massages and he goes <laughs> And it was funny because right when I said that, he goes, oh, yeah, we're here. And he whipped into this little rinky-dink 
shack with nothing but a neon light that said massage parlor. Like we were at, <laughs> it had worked out that we were passing by it when I made the joke. And oh so I didn't God. even have time to laugh about, ha ha, I made a joke that was supposed to be funny. And then we were boom in the parking lot. And <laughs> so, oh my God. and it was as run down and skeevy and seedy looking as you would think a Mississippi hand job parlor would look. I went there in my head like I was like, eh. I looked at my buddy Reese and I was like, eh, yeah, I'm going to have to pass on this. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's exactly it. It's like you, you see these places and there's like maybe one car in the parking lot and you're just like, yeah, I'm not going in there. So It's, it's probably the mayor. It's all, yeah, right. <laughs> So it seems like they're they're all the same throughout the United States. So, So we do get more lyrics that support the uh, the whorehouse theory, though. Heartbreak Hotel. I didn't see a reason. We were so close to the end, I just decided to let it finish up there. Now you've heard it, uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, um, listening to that, it just kind of reminds me of like, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have been in bands before, but, um, you know, when you're first getting together and before you start or in the early stages of writing your own stuff, you, you, you pick out a bunch of covers that you like to do. Um, generally they're, they're kind of like your, your basic rock and roll stuff and you try to put your own stamp on it. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the vibe I'm getting from that. It's just probably something that they knocked out 
uh, very very early on in the in the rehearsal room when they were just getting together and uh, decided to put it down on tape as a demo and um, you know and then they eventually became the biggest band in the world so it's just kind of cool to sort of hear this seminal music from them um, and just uh, that sort of reckless abandon that was kind of their trademark in the early days and from what i understand uh, caputo isn't that about the story behind this i think they were producer shopping at the time but uh yeah. they sure hadn't finished the album yeah because this was from the uh 1986 uh sessions at sound city studios so this is yeah this would be around the time they're shopping different producers around like even I think Paul Stanley was rumored at one point to produce Appetite for Destruction. That didn't work out, though. Oh, that would be cool. That'd be interesting. Uh, ratings. Who goes first today? You want to go first, Chris? Uh, Caputo, we go, or uh, Chris, we, we rate our songs at the end on a scale of one to five. So that on a average episode, the most a song can get is a ten, to give it a perfect ten. Uh, I think we've only ever had one perfect ten. So what would you give it? Mm-hmm. So that that's like the combined ratings if they add up to ten, is that what you mean? Or well, yeah, normally, but since there's three of us, oh, today, that's just two of. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, a little math challenge. That's why I became a writer. So uh, <laughs> didn't have to take any math classes in college. So um, okay. I'm going to. I'm going to give it a three because um, I, I, I generally, or well, certainly from that era, I mean, they had just they just had such uh, great original material that ended up on the first album and spilled over onto the Illusion albums. Of course, you know it's kind of like when you, you know, you 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 open up appetite for destruction and you see that little snippet of the lyrics of you could be mine and the liner notes and then it, that comes out uh uh the song got held over for the use your the use your illusion album so um you know a lot of the stuff that they were churning out um just carried them throughout uh the first uh three albums with uh that weren't the the EP, of course. Um, I am a big fan of the Spaghetti Incident album, though. Um, I know that people have mixed feelings about that, um, but I, I think I think they did a great job on every cut on there, um, and I'm a big fan of the album. Um, but um, so I would have preferred, um, you know, to hear an original cut from that area era but um great energy on this one and um you know just a basic uh bar room rock and roll cover and they did a great job with it all right caputo yeah I'd give it a three out of five because this is like a really good like low key is like a really good cover that honestly it could have i could have fit out of the lies ep this even could have fit user illusion one because that was more of the more hard rock kind of style of album like, this would have been cool to see even release as just a random B-side on a single. Uh, but it's really good. It's definitely, like, um, you know, reflects the sound of that time, like, the, the mid to late 80s of 
GNR, like in that area, the more like Sunset Strip, um, sleazy kind of GNR type of things. So it, I, it's good. I'm, I would give it a three. I'm going to leave it at that. I was also thinking three uh, because uh, my reason is completely different. I, I, I go by, like, the only one we've ever had that was a perfect five, uh, I believe. <clears throat> Don't quote me on this because, you know, there were several episodes where we forgot to rate at all and then we had to go play catch up. I think, in my thinking, Welcome to the Jungle is the one, it's kind of the standard I hold it to. Yeah. I think My World is probably the shittiest song ever. Oh, it totally is. So, uh, when I compare, like, My World, because I... I haven't decided if we're going to go zeros yet or not, or if we can do like Dave Meltzer and go in the negatives. Um, oh, fuck, we'll do whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll cross those bridges when we get to them. If we hear something that deserves a negative, I don't think we will, or we probably wouldn't have dedicated a whole podcast to the band um, <laughs> until we get to my world. I think we can all universally agree that song sucks. But Yeah. Um, to me, it's like middle of the road. Like, would I change the channel if it came on? No. Is it one of the first GNR songs I would pick? Um, just on a road trip, and I want to throw on some music and listen to it? No. But uh, if I was putting together a playlist of my favorite GNR songs that I could rock out to, I could see this making the cut. All right. Well, that's Heartbreak Hotel. Did we uh, got anything else we want to add before we... Uh, move on not that i can think of i think we're good i think we can uh you know press the button let's get to our uh, song for next week all right we're gonna spin the wheel let's see what what it's gonna be You're crazy. Our first, uh, our first song from Appetite for Destruction since Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, it's been a while. Wow. Yeah, I know. We've uh, twelve. This is our thirteenth week now that we'll be doing You're Crazy, and finally looping back to Appetite. I was hoping that would happen sooner or later. Yeah, because we've been we went from like Appetite to Chinese to Spaghetti Incident. Back to Chinese to use illusion two one uh, the leaks been thrown all over the place. So finally, <laughs> it's good to get back to the roots, back to the beginning of it all. That's part of the fun of uh, randomizing it that way. It keeps people, it keeps not only your audience but you guys interested in it too. So it's it's definitely a good formula. It worked for us, and sounds like it's working for you. So. Uh, uh, yeah, Chris, just want to say thank you again for coming on, taking some time to uh, join us here on Guns and Radio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think it's. Uh, I, th- I like how you're fleshing out the song list with uh, demos and all sorts of different material to uh, you know give you guys a little uh, little more. Um, potential for uh, episodes and um because uh, you know obviously uh kiss had uh, has a much uh more extensive actual disc- discography than guns and roses i think there were ended up being like 280 studio cuts throughout their uh career if you include the 78 
solo albums which we did so you know that definitely gave us a, a nice library of uh, episodes and i don't know if uh what you guys have compiled uh hits that number but it sounds like you're gonna have a, a nice uh nice run so you know it's definitely... about it's about half of that we've got 94 left after this one yeah it's pretty good uh you know we'll give you a little little time to uh build a following hopefully and uh definitely wish you guys best of luck it's as you've probably figured out there ain't no money in it but uh, it's <laughs> definitely fun to uh get together and talk about the the music that uh that you're probably raised on and or and or have become a big fan of and yeah it's just uh podcasting is a fun way to put yourself out there so uh you know definitely be listening and i'll be encouraging our uh potheads to uh do the same that's going to do it for this edition of the guns and radio podcast until next time on behalf of chris from pot of thunder and my associate mr caputo here i'm dustin bones good night everybody peace